Welcome to the Numa Church Podcast. For more information on all things Numa, please contact us on our website, numa.church. Now get ready for another inspirational message. And so it's our last service of 2019. Numa Church West, this is our first full year as a church here at VUT St. Albans. And, you know, I just love what God is doing in this place. I love hearing the testimonies, and I shared some of them last week as well, of people that have been diagnosed with cancer that have been healed, of relationships that have been broken that have been restored, of people that have found their purpose, their their love for God once again renewed. It's incredible to think that 95 years ago, just up the road, a few people, no different to us, had a passion and a fire and a desire to see the move of God in this community, and that 95 years later, here we are back again, the move, Numa Church, that started 95 years ago, still going strong today, filled with men, women, children that are passionate to see God move. But what I love about this time of the year as well is that if there's ever an intentional time to take stock and review the year that has been, there's no better time than the end of the year. And I know that a majority of people do reflect. They look back at the year. They look at the highlights. They look at the lowlights. They look at the opportunities that they have taken. They look at opportunities that have gone, that have been missed. We look back intentionally. For some of us this year, 2019 has been a very difficult year. Could be health-wise, could be relationship-wise, could be work-wise, could just be personal-wise, just your own spiritual walk. And yet for others, this has probably been the best year of your life. You have seen change, new relationships, new opportunities. For me personally, one of the things that I love about what I get to do with each and every one of you is that I can be transparent with my family. Is that right? Is that cool? Church is covenant family. Often many people look at the platform and think, oh, pastors, their life are always amazing. They're always happy. They're always on this high. But the reality is for me, 2019 has been a mixed bag. From a physical front, you know, last year I ended that very strong in my program. This year I've hurt my back. I've been really sick. So it's been a bit of a struggle. I've been away. I counted. uh, I've actually been away from my family a whole month, literally been around the world, ministering the Word of God for a whole month. Might not seem like much, but when you live with your family, being that time away with your family, it's tough sometimes. So emotionally, it's been a bit of a tiring year. But the cool thing about this year, though, despite the lows, the fatigue, this is probably the year that I can safely say that I've been the most hungry for God where I've pressed into God in all circumstances and seen some incredible things. You know, even on a mission trip in in Africa, just being able to witness, be, be able to be a conduit of God's hands in some of the most remote places on this, on this planet. What a privilege. No matter what your year might have been like, I always think it's great to reflect on the year that has been. But one thing that I've decided to do over the last few years, that no matter how good or how bad my year has been, I have made it a decision of mine that no matter what, come the 31st of December, my attitude, my posture will be praise. That I will praise God no matter what. And Job 121 says, The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And when Job said that, obviously he had lost everything. See, praise, thanking God, exalting God is not about a circumstance. It's not about what's happening in your life. It's an attitude. It's a position. It's a posture that there is nothing that the enemy can do that will take away my heart from you, God. My heart is set apart from you, God, no matter what. And as we look at all the details, as we look at all the highs and the lows, it's a great opportunity for us to learn and grow. 
if your year's been fantastic, well, what a bar to start off 2020 with, that it will just get better and better. If it's been a challenging year, well, you know what, God, I trust that it will not get any worse. Again, what a bar. I am going to make it an attitude of mine that no matter what, I'm going to press into you, God, and praise you for what you've done, what you're doing, and what you'll do. But the important thing is that we don't get lost just in one year. The important thing is not to measure your life based on one year alone, but to actually acknowledge that every year is just part of the journey and it's not your final destination. You know, one of the, the scriptures that are on uh, fridges all around the world is Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to bring you hope, to bring you life. But many people don't realize that the very verse before them, God is telling the prophet Jeremiah, after 70 years, then that verse comes in. After 70 years in Babylon, after 70 years, in essence of heartache for his people, that time will come. Now, my prayer is that for each and every one of us, it won't be a 70-year journey of challenge. But the reality is, a lot of the time we get so focused on the destination, we forget about the journey. We look at the beautiful aspects of a verse, which they are. We declare those things, but we need to understand God is not our genie. Sometimes there is going to be a tri uh, trials in our triumph. There's going to be battles in our journey. And we need to be willing to prepare for that as well. And so what can happen is when we look at a year that has been, it can also become a dangerous time where we can become complacent with where we're at. You know, God has more for us. Every single year, God has more for us. And it's, there's no shame in saying, God, I declare to see the fullness of who you are in my life every single year. To desire more of his presence above all that he gives, but just his presence. But often what can happen is we, we go through the year and we say, enough, God, I don't need any more, enough. And we settle. And so the title of my message today is Don't Settle. And so I've really felt God has put in my heart to actually do a series at this time of the year on either side of the year. And the scripture that I want to read is a scripture that many a times I've just skimmed through, not even blinking an eyelid in it, not even thinking anything of it. And God brought me back to this scripture today is where we're going to, we're going to be um, this service today. And that's in Genesis chapter 11, verses 27 to 32. And it's going to appear on the screens behind me. And so the title here on this scripture is Terah's Descendants. Now, Terah, now these are the generations of Terah. Terah fathered Abram. Nahor and Haran, and Haran fathered Lot. Haran died in the presence of his father Terah in the land of his kindred, in Ur of the Chaldeans. And Abraham and Nahor took wives. The name of Abraham's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarai was barren, she had no child. Terah took Abraham his son, and Lot the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son Abraham's wife, and they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, sounds very similar to the, to the son's name, uh, they settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Now again, it's a very brief scripture. There's a lot of names and there's a lot of family tree. There's a lot of things that are going. And so if you, if you read it fast enough, you'll miss what happens in verses 31 and 32, which we're going to unpack right now. But we need to understand the context of Terah and his family. Who was Terah? Well, Terah was a descendant of Noah. Just a few generations beforehand, humanity, mankind was restored and started again. It was that moment where God had seen and had enough of the, the level of sin 
that had taken place. But it was the story of the very first redemption where he saw that Noah was blameless in his sight. He saved all of humanity through one person. In essence, it was a clean slate. It was a new opportunity. And here we are a few generations later where there's a man named Terah. Coming after generations after the world had been torn apart, this was the opportunity for redemption for all of humanity. It was a new day, and yet here we were with the same story of what had been before. The Bible tells us that Terah lived in Ur of the, of the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, a, a people group, group of the day. And he had an opportunity to build momentum. He had an opportunity to carry what had gone through Noah's lineage now to establish a new order that focuses God at the center. But he didn't. He didn't carry that momentum. And so what is the danger of losing sight when we lose sight of what God has for us and we're placed in a godless situation? Well, the danger is that we settle with what the majority are doing around us. We ask again, who was Terah? Well, Terah, he was Abraham's father. We all know who Abraham is, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. A man that was set apart, the father of many nations, a man of great faith, that even when he didn't have a child, he believed that he would be a father of many nations. And yet here, Terah was Abraham's father. He was a man that God was willing to use. He was a man that God was calling, pick up your family, head over to Canaan, because I've got better for you and your family. But we read that he had settled to live with the Chaldeans. And not just settle, but also worship, worship their gods. As it says in Joshua 24.2, Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, the father of Abraham and of Nahor, and they served other gods. Terah was a man who chose the easy, convenient road. See, for us, for many, settling is a very easy thing to do. Doesn't necessarily mean that we do what Tira does and go and worship other gods. But what it does mean is that God is no longer our priority. What it does mean is that God needs to fit in my schedule. I don't have time for you, God. I don't have time to study your word. I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to go to church. I don't have time for you, God. I've got other things to do. We let society dictate our priorities. We let circumstances dictate our priorities. We forget what God has done in our lives, and yet we question His goodness when we don't get what we want. And yet God challenges us for greater. I always love what Paul says in Romans 12 too. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. God didn't call us to be thermometers. He called us to be thermostats. And so when we talk about renewing our mind in this season, when we talk about pressing into what God has, it's simply that, getting to know Him more. It's like any stage of relationship. The more that you invest in a relationship, the more you understand of that person as you go along and as you grow together in relationship. See, the strength of my relationship with Sonia is not based on me asking what I want from her, but me actually investing in who she is and wanting to know her more. Let me say that again. The strength of my relationship with Sonia, with my wife, it's not about me saying, give me, give me, give me, give me, and then walking away. But it's actually being vulnerable in who I am, asking questions to want to know her heart more, wanting to win her heart every single day for the rest of my life. The moment that I stop doing that, the moment that I just start saying, no, no, you're not giving me what I want, is the moment that our relationship falls apart. And yet with God, that is something that we do a lot of the time. God, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. And God's like, well, give, I want to hear your heart. Sorry, I don't have time. Bye. Why didn't you give me what I want, God? 
That's often what can happen in our relationship with God, but that's not what God has for us. That's not what God's design for relationship is. That's not why God sent his son to die for us. And so for, for Tira, what had happened is he had settled in this world of living in Ur of the Chaldeans, but yet the scriptures don't tell us, but something shifted. See, in verse 31, it tells us that with his family, they got up and they left. So we read it right here. Sorry, the, you know when you have to open the Bible at the very front, it just bends back. It's, it's always fun. It's a good test of patience right there. Um, and so they, they got forth together and they left. Something had changed. Tira got up and left the comfort of what had been there. He took that step of taking his family. He made a decision, a game-changing decision, that everything we've ever known, kids, let's get up. Let's head over to Canaan. He finally did the hardest part in taking the first step in going to where God had destined for him to go. However, this was short-lived because he settled for second best. Again, we read in verse 31, where it says, he, uh, so here we go, and they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan, but when they came to Haran, they settled there. The journey started on the way to Canaan. They got to a town called Haran, and they stopped. The journey began. The family, he uprooted his family, started going where God had called him. They came to the very first town near Haran, and they decided to stop. Canaan was the promised land. Canaan was a place flowing with milk and honey. Canaan was a place of abundance where God had called his people to live in relationship with him. It was God's chosen place for his people. God had a special plan for Terah and his family. And yet Terah settled at Haran. It's unclear what changed. The Bible doesn't tell us what was going through his mind. Perhaps it could have been because he carried hurt. We heard, you know, obviously there his other son had passed away. Lot's dad had passed. Perhaps it was because he lost his son that it's like, you know what, God, I don't want to go any further. Perhaps uh, it could be because he thought that was it. He, he realized how good Haran was. Well, it was better than Ur. So, you know what, I'm just going to be comfortable here. I don't have to move. Perhaps it could be a lack of faith. Really, God, I don't trust that what you have is better for me. I think I'm in control. I'm going to stay here. We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. But all it tells us is that Tira and his family settled in Haran church, if I can be honest, many of us are in our own Haran right now. Many of us are in that place where we started on fire for God, where you know what, God, I am going to take every step to get to know you more and more. I'm going to be a light in the places that you have placed me. God, there is nothing else that I wanted to know you. And now we're in a place of Haran where we've limited all that God has done to a Sunday morning service to hear a message or to hear a podcast. And that's what we've settled with. could be for many reasons. For some of us, it could simply mean comfort. The idea of stepping out in faith freaks me out. Hey, I've been there before. For others, it could be, you know what, God, I don't trust you because where I was last time, I got hurt so bad. So we hold our offense against someone else, against God, because God, you let that happen. Church, I've been there as well. I mean, many of you that know my story 10 years ago, that's what brought me to, to, to then Bridge Church, now Numa Church where I made a commitment, God, I am never going to serve because you know, people are going to hurt me. And God's like, are you serving people or are you serving me? I had to go through that journey myself. A lot of us focus on the past and the present, ignoring that God has taken us to a brighter future in Him. It's easier to stay here than to carry on. And so we settle for much less. You know, when I read this scripture, for Tira, the, the outcome was truly sad because 
he missed out on all that God had for him. One of the saddest scriptures that in reading this that, that I, I find in the whole Bible is verse 32, where it says, the days of Tira were 205 years, and Tira died in Haran. For me, it breaks my heart because God had so much more for Tira, but he decided to settle not where God had called him, but where he found comfort. You know, it really saddens me because there was so much more. Maybe, perhaps, the narrative would have been so different had he carried on in that journey. But he didn't. The reality is, church, that if we don't go, someone else will. And as we'll learn next week, as we'll study next week, the honor went from being tears to being Abraham's. It didn't have to be that way. The Bible tells us the journey started. God didn't say, hey, just go to that first stop and then I'll give it over to Abraham. No, he, the, the journey started in Tira's generation, but was seen into fruition in Abraham's generation. I don't know about you, church, but I want to see the fullness of God move in my generation and not lament and regret as I see my children's generation take what God had intended for my generation. See, our very own journey into ministry, our very own journey here, was very interesting because we weren't the first choice when we were in the life group and uh, when we were in our first life group our life group leaders had um, heard a call from God they were moving overseas and then we got a call from another couple who were going to take over the life group and I remember at that moment you know thinking okay cool our life group is going to keep carrying on amazing but then we get a call from the pastor who says hey um, the other couple they've decided that they don't want to lead the life group you're our last choice that were his words he was unashamed to say it you're our last choice if you don't lead this life group, we're going to have to just can the group. Now, I love that group of people. We've done that journey for two years, and we were in that conundrum. Well, if we don't take over at this point, this group is going to fall apart. Now, you've heard my story before. Our very first life group leader, Jen, would prophesy over us that God is going to use you, but I never believed that because I thought she was just doing what the Christian leaders do, saying nice things to rev me up. And then on top of that, well, I'd led before and I had been hurt before and I'd been, um, you know, torn to shreds by other people in another church. No, I, I can't lead. But then God said, I, I'm calling you to trust me. So the decision was made based on the prophetic words that had been given. So we stepped into life group leading. Little did I know, little did I know that seven years later, I would be standing here on the last service of Numa Church West as your campus pastor telling you this. If you had told me then that that was going to happen, I would have said, yeah, so, uh, yeah, thanks, Jesse. No, thanks, mate. <laughs> but you know what for me it wasn't so much about how qualified I am is how much do I trust God when he calls me and that's a small scale when I think about one of the legends of our movement who recently passed away uh, Reinhard Bonnke Reinhard Bonnke was a man who was an evangelist in the beautiful continent of Africa who God used to see literally millions of people come to encounter the power and presence of God and he talks about in his, in his own journey, as he reflects on his own journey, where God specifically said, you were not my first, you were not my second choice. And what, what saddens me about that is it's exciting to see that when someone answered the call, there was this incredible move of God, but it breaks my heart. What about the other two that said, no, God? It breaks my heart. How many, how many times or how many people do we know now still don't know about God because no one has actually said yes yet? He's just gone through a whole list of no, no, no. God's like, okay, well, okay, do you want to, you know, no, no, no. How many people in our spheres of influence, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our country, in our world, go to an eternity without Christ because no one has 
put up their hand and accepted the call of God. I don't know about you, church. Like I said, I don't want to settle for the day where I see my friends and family, you know, never hear or never utter the name of Jesus. And I could have actually just said one little thing to plant a seed, but I didn't because I chose not to because I was in Haran. See, sometimes we wonder, why not us? But the reality is, not us because we've settled for the comfort. See, stepping out does require faith. Stepping out does require pushing that comfort zone. Stepping out does require vulnerability. But what I love about the gospel, what I love about the Lord that we serve, Jesus Christ, He exemplifies in every single aspect of His life that He was a man who would go where no one else would go. He was a man who was vulnerable with all people groups. And it was his very character that attracted people to wanting to encounter him and our Holy Spirit, our Heavenly Father. Church, it's time for us to rise up. It's time for us to take a step of faith. It's time for us to trust God that there is more. It's time for us to not settle anymore for the comforts of what we have. It is not to say that life is going to be miserable. I mean, I'll tell you what, uh, this is probably, like I mentioned earlier, the busiest year of my life, but it is one of the most spiritually fulfilling and amazing years of my life. Why? Because the relationship with my wife has gotten stronger. My relationship with God has gotten stronger. The relationship with my kids has gotten stronger. God sees your heart. God sees that when you step out of comfort, when you don't settle for second best, God is there with you. God is your guide. He's your advocate. He's your counselor. He doesn't leave you on your own. He will never leave you or forsake you. And so church, this is a time now for us to take stock and start to pray into next year with the heart trusting that 2020 will be an even greater year than 2019. Let's learn from Tira because there are a lot of lessons that we can learn, not just the ones of settling, but actually, you know what? He took that step. He had been there for generations in Ur of the Chaldeans. And you know what? He took the step to uproot his family and go on that journey to where God had called there's something powerful in that as well, because many of us aren't even in Haran because we've never actually taken the very first step in our lives. We've seen how, how, how scary the journey can be, and we've decided, you know what, I'm just going to stay here. I'm not even going to bother trying because, you know what, I just don't want to leave because what if it doesn't work? One thing that I've come to understand in my journey is that where there is breath, there is life. Where there is life, there is hope. Where there is hope, there is faith. Where there is faith, there is Jesus Christ, and there is the power of God. And so we talk about going on that journey of changing the world. Being a world changer doesn't mean to be radical and super spiro. It means actually being more active in seeking out who God is. It means actually pressing into God. It means, you know what, God, 2019, I maybe prayed once a week. It might be, you know what, every single morning for a minute or two, God, I'm going to commit to just, you know, praising you and not asking for things. It's as simple as that. It doesn't need to be lock yourself up in a room, uh, pray for five hours and then read the word for another four. It doesn't need to be that. All it needs to be is being intentional about saying, God, what do you have for me? God, I want to know you more. What is the plans that you have for me, God? What is it that you have in my life? What are the gifts that you have given me, God? Because he is the fire that will start the gifts that he's placed in your heart. We need to understand what's our Canaan? What's our destination? Where does God want to take us? God didn't create us just to, to fill a moment of time in the narrative in this season of life. He called us for so much more. And then it's that perhaps 2020 is that time where, you know what, I'm going to take that step. Like I mentioned, it could be something as simple as just, you know what, reading a scripture a day, one verse a day. You know what, for many who don't read it at all, that's already one verse more a day than what you were doing this year. 
you know, one thing that for me personally, just to give a bit of insight of, of what I, I do, I used to read like a lot of chapters a day. And then I found myself getting into this whole thing of just skim reading. Whereas this year, I've literally just read section by section. So like, for example, that, that section that I just read about Tiro and his descendants, I just read those five verses in the morning and understand the context and, and the gold in that. And, and, and sometimes, sometimes it's 15 minutes, sometimes it's an hour and 15 minutes. Um, again, I, I don't put religiosity to it. It's just like, God, it's my daddy sometime. Whatever that looks like, it's like when I take my daughter out. Sometimes we're out for three hours. Sometimes she wants to be home in half an hour because she's sick of my dad jokes. Whatever it might be. There is no rule about how we do things. You know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, not meet a tick box every day. Love the Lord your God looks different for so many different people. For me, like I said, it's, you know, downstairs I've got my chair. Um, when I'm driving to work, I, I love to just worship in the car. For others, it might be on a run. Whatever it looks like for you, that's the opportunity. It could be that in 2020, we're going to press into what God has. Not because I want things, it's because I want to know God more. And what happens is that when you press into God, when you understand His heart, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, naturally then you treat others the way that God's identity, the way you see yourself in God. Love your neighbor as yourself. The cool thing about what we get to do as a church is that, again, we don't have to do it alone. Church is covenant family. The, the gospel is so simple and yet complicated in all these two statements. Like I mentioned, love God, love people. That's all it is. And as you do that, you understand your worth and you see the worth in other people as well. And when we do life together as a church, as a covenant family, we see the move of God. You know, one of the things that, that really inspired me last weekend, uh, and obviously we prayed for our brother Abe, uh, who's, I believe he started his chemotherapy this week, but what I love is that the group of, 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 of a few of us from church, you know, initially I thought it was like going to be like seven or eight people were going to go to his house and have a worship service and pray for him. Then all of a sudden there are 30, 35 people. What I love about that is that they don't just wait for a Sunday to see God move, but you know what? One of my family is hurting. He's not alone. We're in this together. That's what I love. And I've seen many a time, not only just through our church, but in our own lives as well, where there has been adversity, God's people come together. Which is why I can be vulnerable with, with my covenant family. Which is why I can be vulnerable and not be ashamed of the struggles that I go through in my own life, because we are a family. I don't feel that when I stand on this platform that I've got to attain a level of perfection. I can just be who God has called me to be, knowing that I've got the best accountability partners in the world in my covenant family right here. But many of us choose to do it alone. As we go into 2020, as we reflect on 2019, what is your calling? That at the end of all days, when the book on your life is closed, what is the greatest legacy that you will leave in your generation? You know, I once heard it said, if God answered all your prayers, would the world be a better place or will you just be better off? That changed the way that I prayed. I used to always ask God, me, give me, give me, give me, give me. But then it's like, God, make me your hands and feet. <laughs> make me a light in your dark places. I don't know what that looks like, God. And it was out of that, that my mission statement in life, Inspire the Uninspired, came. It doesn't have to happen in a church. It doesn't have to be in an official pastor role. It just means that wherever I go, God, just help me see the best. Help me see the gold in people that so, have been rejected for so long in life. And as a youth worker, I got to do that. Even when I haven't been on duty as a pastor, on duty, I say that loosely, as a youth worker, as a pastor, it's always been just encourage people, just love people. 
It's not at the expense of me, God. It's actually you're using me to be your mouthpiece to these people. What a beautiful thing. And so as we enter 2020, you know, my heart for Numa West, my heart for Numa Church West is that we will cultivate a heart of discipleship. Discipleship doesn't mean correction and telling everyone off. Discipleship is doing life with someone. My heart would be, I'm not interested in seeing our numbers grow, if I can be honest with you. I'm not interested in seeing this auditorium full before I'm interested in seeing each and every one of you who call Numa Church West home, discovering that you are, you are more than enough for what God has in your life. And our team will tell you, I've communicated with all our key leaders, that my heart is not so much about building team than it is about building people. Meet someone you've never met before. Encourage someone that you've never met before. When people discover their identity, teams will fill themselves. Numbers will fill themselves. But for me, my heart would break if we had this auditorium filled, but yet a small percentage of people actually engage in what God had for their life. That wouldn't be a successful church, if I can be honest with you. And so as we go into next year, what are your next steps? What is your calling? Where can you put your hand up and serve if that's the natural next step here? Where can you get up and, you know, serve someone in your school, in your workplace? Where can you be the hands and feet of Jesus in this really dark and tough world? I want to invite the band to come up. No matter who you are, no matter how old you are, no matter how young you are, each and every one of us are called. For Tira, 205 years, thank God we don't have to live that long, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how I'd go as an old man. Sonia will tell you that I'm already acting like an old man. I'm getting a few white hairs on the beard. That's a bit. Anyway, I'm getting a bit self-loathing here. But for 205 years, Tira settled. And every single year, I can imagine every single year, he thought maybe this year is going to be different. This year I'm going to pick up and I'm going to keep going. But then something would change. For many of us who might have been sitting for 10 years, this year I'm actually finally going to do uh, or that. But yet here we are again and we think, oh, it's never going to happen. Can I tell you, all it takes is a step in faith. Can I tell you, all it takes is a bit of vulnerability with God and with the incredible people that God has placed in your heart. I believe that our days of transformation are ahead. Our best days are ahead of us as a church, but individually as well. You know, I love reflecting in this time, like I mentioned earlier, because... I sit here in awe of how good God is. When I think about where I was 10 years ago, when I think about where I was five years ago, heck, when I even think about where I was two years ago, I'm blown away that He has never changed. He's been constant, but the more that I've tapped into who He is, the incredible things that I've seen in my own life, but in the lives around me. As I reflect, as, as, as we close, I look at the incredible people that God has put under Sonia and my leadership here and I'm blown away. You know, I look at Frank leading communion today. He did an amazing job today. But for me, it was awesome because when I first met Frank, I knew that that was on his life, but we're going on that journey for him to, to find his feet in that. It's incredible to see that when I see Jade worship leading, when I see a lot of our team of where we were, and obviously shared the story of, of Mark, who, who's now on our global kids team, but came in at West and said, I'm not going to serve. And I think, God, all you gave me, the privilege is to love on these people. I'm not better than them. I, I just want to love on them. And I see what God is doing in their lives. I'm like, God, I get to do that. I reflect on my like, God, I get to do that. 
there was once a day where I didn't even want to go to church. If I can be honest, there was once a day it's like, no, Sonia, let's not go early. Let's get 10 minutes late so no one will talk to us. And let's leave 10 minutes you know, early so no one will talk to us. There was once a day that that's what my attitude was. But you know who was missing out? Me. Because God had so much more. And when I finally got out of Haran, you know, I'm not at Canaan. I'm not at that Canaan place yet. I'm still on my journey. And there are some days that are harder than others. But God has been so good. God has been so faithful that there is no way, there is no chance now that I could ever settle for anything less than what God has on my life. So church, I'm going to invite you to be upstanding. Let me encourage you. Your life doesn't need to be defined by what's taken place this year. But there is more. There is more. There is so much more. And there is a whole community outside these four walls. You know, one of the things that I loved last week, I got the awesome privilege of going to the um, Soul Kitchen Christmas dinner. And for those that are new with us, Soul Kitchen uh, is something that was really birthed out of God's heart for us here in the West. Uh, we, we run a soup kitchen every Sunday night in Braybrook. Started off in July 2018. Two people that came in. Last week, there were over 100 people that came along. And what I loved is that the generosity of our church, church, each of you, that stepped up and bought a gift of someone that you've never met. And for me to see those people open up those gifts and see the generosity on this house, I reflect and I say, wow, God, thank you so much for this journey for us to be here, to partner with you to see our community transformed. You know, the testimonies that I've heard of people who this Christmas were looking at spending them on their own, broken. We had one woman who uh, had clearly been um, physically abused by, by her partner. And I remember, and Amy shares this, shared this story with me, but, but seeing her again last week really filled my heart. But when she told Amy what had been happening and Amy prayed for her, she broke down because not one person had ever said anything good about her. So when I say don't settle, I'm not calling each and every one of you to be pastors to go and preach to the whole world, but I'm calling you to be the hands and feet to the communities around you. Never underestimate the power of just acknowledging one person's presence in your workplace, in your sphere of influence. And as we pray now, for many of you, there's still that broken, that, that mistrust, that brokenness. No, no, I will never serve at another church again because of what happened. God didn't cause that to happen. But God can take what the enemy intended for evil and turn it to good. God can bring forgiveness in it. I know that I have to, I've had to go through that journey. And many of us are going through that journey. Don't hold out on God on something that He never did to you. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank You, God, that whilst this may not necessarily be the most feel-good message of the year, God, it is one that is much needed, Father, in this season as we go into 2020, God. Lord, may we never miss out on what you have for our lives, God, because we put our own emotion, our own doubts, our own mistrust in you, God. May you call us out, Father. May you heal our hearts, Father. May you forgive those that perhaps have hurt us, Father. May they no longer be held to account for their actions, but may you forgive them, may you empower them, may you inspire them, may you release them, Father. Because you can take even the hardest of hearts, Father, as we see in Saul, and turn him into a Paul, a person that lived all their lives to bring the gospel 
for the nations. And so church, as we... Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died, and rose again, conquering sin, Satan, and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life, and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.